0: from a totally different perspective, ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration, then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca.
1: What if you took the time
2: to really soak it?
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host, and I just want you to know that I appreciate you listening to the show, so speak to me because my team and I spend loads of time and energy thinking and preparing for our show about things that I care about. And I think you will too. So if you'll let me know what you're thinking, whether you find the show riveting, valuable, horrific, offensive, whatever it might be, fill in the blank, just jet me an email at info at Or you can also go right to my website, talkwithfrancesca.com and fill out the contact form. You can also visit me on Facebook. I promise I will get right back to you. If you missed part of the show, you can go to recent shows on my website. Again, that's talkwithfrancesca.com and listen there. And I'm also on iTunes. So plenty of places to listen to Talk with Francesca. All right, we're going to dive right in. We've got lots to cover today. The Golden Globes, they were held on January 7th of this year. Hollywood's brightest were addressed to impress to help celebrate the best in film and television as they've done for the last 74 years. And the red carpet had everybody buzzing as it has for the last 74 years. But this year's buzz was a little bit different, to say the least. The discussion was less about what designers and jewelry stars were wearing and more about the statement color heard around the world. Almost every star stood in solidarity with the Time's Up movement and wore black. So, for those of you who are living under a rock, Time's Up is a movement designed to end sexual assault harassment and inequality in the workplace. And we are very lucky that here to talk with us more in depth about this movement and the impact it's had since its conception earlier this year is Dr. and Professor Venetria Patton, who teaches English and African American studies at Purdue University. So a big welcome to you, Dr. Patton. Thank you so much for joining us today on Talk with Francesca. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm delighted to be here. So we have the Me Too and Times Up movement captivated. It has it's captivated the whole country? But why do you think that is? I think that this is
2: a movement that's really resonating with a lot of women, and I think the catchword Me Too helps to connect women because it's tapping into an experience that shared by a number of women, whether it's cat call that they've experienced just going down the street, whether it's someone touching them inappropriately at a club, whether it's sexual harassment in the workplace. I think a lot of women have experienced something along the scale of sexual harassment, abuse, that when they see this phrase, me too, Mm-hmm. They want to respond, they want to draw attention to what's happening to them, to other women, and they want to put it end to it. It's like they, they've gotten to the point where they're just fed up. This is not something that they should have to endure.
3: So do you think, though, and I say this respectfully, To all the women out there, but do you think that there's any chance that it's getting to be too much, that possibly it could be something, you know, like a, a passing comment that could fairly easily be addressed rather than, you know, turning it into a sexual harassment thing?
2: I'm going to make sure I'm
3: understanding your, your question. Are you saying that? I know, because I was trying to really delicately ask it <laughs> because, <my God. laughs> because I, you know, I, it's, I, I don't want to absolutely minimize anything that anybody has experienced and wants to share and, and, you know, and have their voice heard. But what if it's your brother? What if it's your uncle? What if it's your father? And what if it was, you know, something small-ish that they could have just spoken up and said, hey, that's not cool. You know, I mean, I've been in a situation where I've said that is totally unacceptable. And but of course, I, you know, I also have a voice. I'm on the radio. So, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with my voice. I'm comfortable with saying how I feel. I always have been. And, and not everybody has that same M.O. as I do. Mm-hmm. But yet what I am wondering is, do you think there is any any room for questioning whether how severe it really is with some women? Well, I think there's always room
2: for something that's good to be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I think what's going on with the Me Too movement is it's calling attention to something that's been pervasive for a long time. Mm -hmm. What the difference is, is that here you have women who are famous, they're well-known, they're rich, they're white, and they're calling attention to something awful that has happened to them. And because these privileged women are calling attention to this, it in some ways gives a voice to women who don't have that same degree of privilege, whose stories were discounted. And so I do think that it's kind of opening a floodgate right now, Mm. where people can talk about things that have happened in the past, are happening now, sure, it can lead to somebody misconstruing something. Sure, it can lead to somebody making up something. There's always going to be room for that sort of thing. But I think it's going to do more good oh, definitely. than um, harm. And I think that what I find appealing about the Me Too movement is that it's not just a hashtag. After the me too hashtag circulated the times up movement was created and money was put together to help women bring forward sexual harassment cases and so that's a tangible good that's coming out of this and i think sometimes when you have a hashtag movement it stops just at the awareness level Mm -hmm. people are talking about something but nothing's really happening i think here we have the possibility of things actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that the tension that the movement has brought to this issue has also made it difficult for employers to just slap people's hands, push things under the carpet. They're having to really
3: deal with these issues in the workplace. I think it's also triggering a lot for a lot of people that had they had really buried. But I had a very interesting conversation with friend yesterday, a male friend, and it started with having this conversation about this, obviously. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, he was with a bunch of guys on Friday night and one ended up saying, you know, I was sexually abused. And, you know, and and after the guys had a couple drinks and they were kind of joking a little bit and then it kind of got serious. And he said, you know what I realized when I was just 14 years old, I was sexually abused by a 28 year old woman. And as it turns out, I mean, he was obviously he had a lot to say about it. We were on the phone for two hours. I mean, I could literally not get a word in. I mean, it was a lot that had come out of it. And but what was sad in the end was that how it ended up playing out in this man's life is that he cannot make the connection with um, physical intimacy and emotional intimacy and has never been able to do that. And that's sad. I mean, that's just so, so rampant in the world. You know, so I but so I mean, I think men have also had this issue.
2: Yes. And I I think that it's important that some men have participated in the Me Too movement by talking about their own experiences. That way, it shows that It's not just women that Uh this can happen to, that anybody that is in a situation where there's a power differential is subject to this happening. Uh I think it's important to talk about it. And hopefully, this person that you were talking to, now that they've kind of had that moment where they realize that this happened to them, he'll be in a position to go and talk to a therapist and kind of work through some of these feelings and emotions. I think part of the problem that a number of victims have is that they feel ashamed. They feel like they can't talk about it. They bury it inside and it just festers. And I think that part of the appeal of the Me Too movement is that it allows you to kind of get this off of your chest in a way. And it's liberating just
3: Mm -hmm. to say those words. Do you think that, is it possible that people who have experienced this kind of abuse can fluff it off like it happened and that's it? And, you know, not that they're happy about it, but that it doesn't affect them on any profound, deep level? Or do you think that everybody who experiences this on some level becomes... I don't know if I'd say incapable of being in a relationship, but that it, it affects the relationships, the significant relationships profoundly.
2: You know, I would be a little bit out of my area of expertise. Okay. Speaking to that. Okay. I would imagine that every experience is going to have some impact on us. Mm-hmm. So for something like this to have no impact on someone It's hard for me to believe it would have no impact. I do think the type of impact it's going to have is going to differ on the particular person based on the particular experience, based on how the person works through that experience. So I think there's going to be real expansive range of responses and impacts. Uh But it would be hard for me to say that there's going to be somebody that has you know,
3: zero impact at all. Right. If you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Venetria Patton. She teaches English and African-American studies at Purdue University. And we're talking about the Time's Up and Me Too movement. So Dr. Patton, so is Time's Up the next step in the Me Too movement? I mean, what, what are the differences and similarities between the two? Well,
2: I see Time's Up as the next step to this movement, and I see Me Too as something that draws attention to the issue, it's kind of the awareness phase, Mm -hmm. whereas Time's Up is really about taking action. Now we know that there's a problem, what are we going to do about it? Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: the other thing that I think is significant about Time's Up is that there's a concerted effort to pay attention to women of color pay attention to women with different levels of economic means so that someone who may not be positioned to hire a lawyer is still positioned to address sexual harassment Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: so i i think that they're really trying to equip all women to address this so that it's not just women in entertainment women who are rich, women who are white, who are able to talk back about these experiences. But it's something that all women, wherever they might be located, are positioned to say, no, this cannot continue.
3: So why are white women of Hollywood the face of the movement where it was created by a woman of color?
2: Part of it has to do with the fact, I think, that Tarana Brooks when she created the movement, it was 2006. She wasn't doing it as a hashtag campaign. She was working in her area. So the people around her knew what she was doing. It was created in response to young survivors of sexual harassment and assault. So she was working around the same issue. And she did it because she felt bad that she couldn't basically say me too in response to hearing um, a young girl's story. And she recognized how powerful it would have been if she had been able to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the fact that she wasn't using a hashtag has something to do with not having the visibility. But I think we also have to recognize that there are different societal connotations around different bodies. And so white women are valued in a way that black women are not. And so when white women talk about being sexually accosted, they're much more likely to be believed than when black women talk about it. And so when you have a white woman talking about these issues, there's much more likely to gain sympathy. (laughs) When a black woman talks about these issues, You're much more likely to have questions. Well, what were you wearing? And just kind of suspicion about the black woman bringing these charges. And so I just think Why is that? uh, Well, it actually goes back to slavery. Hmm. Um, This is something that I deal with in my research. I look at black women's writing and I look at the way in which their writing talks back to stereotypes of black women that developed out of slavery and during slavery black women were sexually accosted a regular basis and they were described as basically sexually free and available they were seen as very different from white women who needed to be protected whereas black women were seen as available and so we just developed very different ideas of Mm -hmm. black women versus white women. And it's, it's still with us today, all of these years after slavery.
3: How do you think that intersectional feminism and white feminism factor into this? Well, I, I think that with
2: intersectional feminism, you're taking into account all factors of one's identity. So you're looking at class you're looking at gender, you're looking at race or ethnicity, you are looking at sexuality, and you're looking to see how all of these things intersect. And I think that Time's Up is trying to take that intersectional focus, because they recognize that all women are not privileged in the same way. And that certain women are much more likely to experience assault. Mm -hmm. And so you've got women of color, poor and working class women, undocumented women, trans and non-binary women who are more likely to be assaulted and in turn less likely to report it and then less likely to be believed if they do report it. So all of these things are working against These women,
3: I think women don't want to report it in general. I mean, I think that it's just, you know, and and I think that it's because, you know, I think that there's this, well, there's the misconception that sexual assault or rape only happens to women who address provocatively or put themselves in dangerous situations. I mean, you know, so I think that really frightens women. It scares them into, they don't want to be put in that situation. They don't want to be blamed for, and on some level— I think that there is a guilt, a piece of uh, of guilt that happens with women. Do you agree?
2: I, I do think there are a lot of women that don't want to report this because they are definitely concerned about how they will be looked at, the types of questions that they will have to face. And I think that because of our investigative processes, they do feel like they're going to be made to feel guilty, you know, why did you agree to meet this person at this time or this location? Basically, why did you put yourself in this situation? Do you think they and asked themselves not, that
3: question? Well, I was about to say that. Yeah, I was going
2: to yeah. say that even if they're not asked that yeah. directly, right. they're asking themselves that.
3: And why yeah. do you think that is?
2: Well, I, I do think it has a lot to do with how women are socialized. You know, we are often taught about how to preserve ourselves and you know about the importance of virginity, the importance of maintaining a certain sense of ourselves and whatnot. And so because women are not supposed to be sexually free in the way men are supposed to be, I, I think that there's a lot of shame associated with sex for women that men just don't have because they're not socialized in the same way. And you know, I, a man having a lot of sexual partners is definitely seen very differently than a woman having a lot of sexual
3: partners. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a barren world in many ways for women to be sexual beings and sensual beings. And when when a woman is that way, it's like it's so dry. It it's like it stirs up all the dirt. You you know what I'm saying? It really, really Mm -hmm. does. It's like there's like, how dare she? And not just from men, but also women, other women. Yes, because as women, we we police each
2: other. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been socialized to believe certain things, Mm -hmm. and we will hold each other to those standards. So when we talk about a patriarchal society, it's not just what men do to women, but it's also what women do to women to uphold these
3: patriarchal norms. We do need to take a short break, but when we come back, I would love to talk a little bit more about a, a patriarchal society. So stay with us here, listeners. We need to hear from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Coffee no longer has to be a guilty pleasure. You've heard that red wine is good for you because of nature's most potent antioxidant, resveratrol. Vera Roasting Company makes the only coffee infused with it. Each cup of Vera's coffee delivers the same amount of resveratrol as found in a glass of red wine without the alcohol, sulfates, or tannins. Years of medical studies indicate that regular resveratrol in our diets promote cardiovascular health, slows the progression of certain cancers, Alzheimer's disease, and type 2 diabetes. Vera Roasting Coffee won double-blind taste tests against the leading coffees. Vera Roasting also offers its delicious, heart-healthy coffees with added vitamin D to help Ward off the winter blues. You can't get Vera Roasting coffee in stores. You need to go to veraroasting.com. Free and fast shipping is always available. Veraroasting.com. Vera like Vera Bradley. Go to veraroasting.com. That's veraroasting.com.
1: Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Restaurante Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit TerramiaRestaurante.com.
5: It can be easy to lose sight of your dreams and aspirations, especially when they seem so out of reach. Between school, kids, and work, your true desires can get left on the back burner. But you should never settle for less than what you deserve and what you know in your heart of hearts you want to do. Carrie Hummingbird has developed a program that will cast away your fear and self-doubt and inspire you to take charge of your life, but don't take my word for it. Christina Wolfe took the program and described it as a trustworthy guide to show you how to transform yourself at the soul level. You will have to dig deep and it won't be easy, but then again, nothing worth having is. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone and your comfort zone ends at the Reinvent Yourself program. So what are you waiting for? visit www.carryhummingbird.com. You'll be glad you did.
3: Your body is not the only part of you that needs training. Your brain needs it too. Decision-making and focus are one of the most important skills to accomplish your goals in life. Combat Brain Training is the first targeted neuroplasticity training that actually improves your cognitive ability to observe, decide, and act better and faster. Unlike digital-based programs that research shows create minimal or no real-world benefits, it incorporates portable handheld training tools that utilize all parts of the brain. 100% of the people who have followed the program report significant improvements in performance regardless of starting cognitive baseline. This program is perfect for anyone looking to accelerate their thinking process and really focus more effectively on any task at hand. Don't wait any longer. Go to CombatBrainTraining.com and find
1: out more.
4: Captain Lord Mansion is the ultimate bed-and-breakfast experience. It's the only AAA four-diamond bed-and-breakfast in Kennebunkport. But it's so much more. It's the perfect, elegant, romantic getaway. Relax at their day spa. Be pampered in your room with heated floors, jetted showers and tubs, gas fireplaces, king and queen beds, flat-screen TVs, and all the quaintness with all the modern conveniences. Be surrounded by impeccable gardens, waterfalls, fountains, a putting green, a charming gift shop, wine cellar. The list goes on and on, including a full three-course breakfast. This is a stay that you will never forget. Engage in our special offers. Call 207-967-3141. 207-967-3141. CaptainLordMansion.com. In Kennebunkport, Maine, memories and elegance await you.
3: Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 1130 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com.
0: Tides is Beachside Dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine.
3: All right, we are back and you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Venetria Patton. She teaches English and African-American studies at Purdue University. And we are discussing the Me Too and Time's Up movement. Welcome back, Dr. Patton.
2: Thank you.
3: So let's talk about before the break. We started to talk a little bit about women and women upholding other women to a certain standard. And so, so tell us more about that.
2: Well, we are raised in a particular society with certain cultural norms and expectations. And so it's very hard to escape those. And in our society, I think it's still quite patriarchal. So men tend to have a certain degree of privilege that women do not have. And because we are socialized to expect this, we kind of impose it on other generations. I mean, if I think about myself, for example, when I was growing up, I was the oldest of a family of five children. I had four younger Brothers, even though I was the oldest, my father sometimes wanted to restrict my movements because I was a girl, mm-hmm. and so my brothers, who were younger than me, he wanted to give freedoms to because they were boys. Yeah. Well, I guess I was a budding feminist even then because I you know kind of <laughs> bristled under that it was challenging that so I was like, wait, I'm older, I should be able to do that too. Why do they get to stay out longer? But, that's so funny because you know, I
3: grew up in an Italian family and uh, with three boys and five girls and oh yeah the boys could do whatever they wanted but the girls were like, you know we were, we were roped in tight so but <laughs> and I yeah and I know I bristled a little bit too I was always I remember I'll never forget it I remember my mother saying to my father control that girl and my father just looked at her and I, I couldn't have been all of them more than 13 14 years old and he said, there is no controlling her. <laughs> I just never I, love it. I, love it. I just never forgot that, you know. And um but it's it's funny. But you know and, and but but for years, you know, and I and I was just angry at my parents, you know, feeling like they but then as I began to really explore, you know, it was just that I was just a free bird and I had a voice and it was frightening to them. Like what what could that mean? for her, you know, what could that, you know, they were petrified, what would happen, what would come of their daughter. And I began to understand that they were coming from a place of fear. And so and they didn't want anything to happen. But it took quite some time and some analysis to figure all that out. But all's well that ends well, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just ask you, uh, let's go back to the movement here a little bit. How can these movements help people outside of the entertainment industry?
2: Well, that it's already started to have an impact beyond Hollywood. I mean, in my own field of academia, Mm -hmm. we've seen more attention being brought to sexual harassment across campuses. So um, the Chronicle of Higher Education has paid more attention to these cases. We're hearing more about these cases. I think it's becoming harder and harder for faculty members to get quietly let go from one institution to go off to another institution and do the same thing. I I think that with the whole incident at Penn State with Uh the child abuse allegations, I think that Uh put a lot of educational institutions on notice, but I think it's become even more ramped up This year, with all of the firings that have taken place across a number of industries with regard to sexual harassment, we just had the Michigan state president step down. Even though she didn't know anything about what was going on with Dr. Nazer and the sexual abuse allegations from the gymnast that he worked with, there's this sense that she should have known. There's this expectation within higher education circles that we need to do a better job of protecting our students and making sure that we don't have people preying on our students and then also that we don't have students preying on other faculty members. We just cannot tolerate this sort of atmosphere.
3: Why do you think so many people put their head in the sand about this?
2: I think part of it is the embarrassment of coming forward if something happens to you. The fear that you're not going to be believed and wanting to protect your own career because, you know, if things don't go well, you still have to live in that department, that university, whatnot. And then I think for those who are kind of on the sidelines, I think sometimes people feel helpless. They think something's going on or they know something's going on, but they don't think they can prove it. They don't think anything can be done. And also, there's so much confidentiality around these procedures that I think there's a sense that nothing ever happens to people that do these things. But I think now... Oftentimes, more, they, they, nothing does happen. Well, that, that's true. But I think there's been a bit of a change recently. So we've seen more public cases where people have stepped down because it was clear they were going to be fired Mm -hmm. we've seen more publicity about people actually being fired and so now i think people recognize that yes something can happen has happened and i I think people are just being more vocal i know at my own institution our dean went around to all the departments and talked specifically about sexual harassment and said it will not be tolerated here.
3: Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that these movements are going to affect, I mean, you know, this men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? It's been out there <laughs> forever. Do you think this is gonna affect relationships even more so with men and women just in general? I think it may affect
2: how we raise our sons, for mm-hmm. example, yes. um, I, I have a son who is a college-age student, and I know I've been very explicit in talking to him about his relationships, and it's really more about yes means yes. And so I think that more people are having those kinds of conversations because I think it's too easy to have a misunderstanding And so I think people are asking for more explicitness Mm -hmm. around sexual activity. And I know that more college campuses are educating students about that. They're also talking about the impact of alcohol and one's ability to give consent. So I think that's one thing that's going on. And I think for those of us who are older and experiencing these incidents, I think there's gonna be maybe a a little bit more sensitivity, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more thoughtfulness to try not to do something that will make someone feel awkward. Mm -hmm. So for example, many, many moons ago, when I was first looking for my first faculty position, we tended to have our interviews at a conference People often met in conference suites to interview people. But sometimes they were actually in bedrooms of hotels oh my. where these interviews took place. But so usually would be a group of, of people there. Yeah. But one school in which I interviewed, they sent just one person to conduct the interview. So it wasn't a whole group of people. And he made a point of asking all of us to meet him downstairs mm-hmm. um I can't, it was so long ago i don't remember what it was but it was out in a public area yeah. as opposed to meeting in his hotel room because he was very sensitive to the idea of having a one-on-one interview and in basically a bedroom oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the thing is he thought to do that yeah I would say not
3: everybody was so thoughtful back in those days. Oh, my goodness. Do you foresee any downsides to this movement?
2: I guess I'm going to be optimistic and say no. And the reason I say that is because we've already seen a lot of things that we typically would not have seen. People who have had allegations brought up against them in the past and were able to sustain those allegations are now without those jobs so I'm I'm very hopeful that we are now at a different
3: point that we've reached a mm-hmm. stage where we're really saying enough is enough you, you know, um, well bad cream always does end up rising to the top doesn't it huh <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it really does. I mean, it re- It may take a long time, but it does. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not even in a lifetime. But, yeah. but eventually, yeah, yeah, it does. So what role does race and class play in these movements? Well, what I would say is that
2: when we look at Me Too, it really started off – Primarily as this kind of white privileged women's mm-hmm. um, right. movement, right. and I think that's why it got a lot of attention. But I think it's it's really good that there have been conversations now with women of color, and that they're trying to be sensitive to the impact of mm-hmm. um, race and class, and we see that in the Times Up kind of way of trying to assist women of different economical backgrounds. And then also, I haven't been following this as closely, but I know that internationally there have been different versions of the Me Too movement, which seems to suggest that this is more than just kind of a white American woman's issue. This is really a Mm, woman's issue, you know. And so... sometimes somebody has to start it and in this case Alyssa Milano didn't actually create the term but she called attention to it and as other people started retweeting this phrase and as the Hollywood community started donning their black dresses started carrying their white roses. You know, we really started
3: to pay attention to something that was really impacting women across the globe. Mm -hmm. If you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Venetria Patton. She teaches English and African-American studies at Purdue University, and we are talking about the Me Too and Time's Up movement. Dr. Patton, how does men saying Me Too impact the campaign, or does it?
2: Oh, I definitely think it impacts the campaign in some ways it's almost like when a man takes maternity leave because i think that sometimes we would see that as kind of like oh gosh here's this woman she's kind of like a weak link in our you know well-oiled employment machine but when a man does it it kind of normalizes it this is like what everybody does and with a man saying me too i think It helps us recognize it's not just woman's innate weakness that Mm -hmm. makes her subject to this, but that it's an issue of a power differential. And when somebody has more power than somebody else, they can abuse that power. And the person who's the
3: victim of that abuse could be a woman, but could also be a man. Absolutely. Okay, so sexual assault, harassment, rape, they happen every day. So how do we get that same level of attention that cases involving Hollywood elites get to the Brock Turners of the world that are on college campuses and in our backyards?
2: I think we have to get to the point where all people matter. And so it's not just important people
3: Mm. that we're concerned about. Oh, I but love that. About- that should be another movement. All people matter, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 I mean, Tell us more. It, it
2: seems like there's this thing where some victims seem like nicer victims. It's like, oh gosh, I really feel awful that this happened to you. You're so wonderful. How could this happen to you? But mm-hmm. it shouldn't happen to anybody. Right. And, and and that's that's the point that we need to make. And so yeah, it shouldn't happen to Hollywood stars, but it also shouldn't happen to
3: maids who are working in our hotels. Right. And, she, and, and it all stems from power, right, would you say? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like the same amount of people that are criticizing criticizing um, Aziz Ansari are also defending him. What's your take on the situation?
2: Mm. I have not been following that situation closely but you know it's going to be very difficult to find a situation in which everybody is going to agree
3: okay all right okay yeah yeah, I I have not either so I I really can't speak to it but um, I thought it was a very I've got a, a, an intern who asked some very great questions and I just love her to pieces. So, um, and that, yeah, she's, she's a great girl. She's just doing an amazing job. She has another question, actually. She said, Tarana Burke has said that the way the black community responds to sexual assault can endanger black women. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: I'm not sure exactly what Burke is thinking when she says that, but one of the things about the, black community is that there is a tendency to protect our own and so i was reading a really powerful opinion piece that talked about why we're not hearing from black women saying uh, Mm -hmm. me too
4: Mm -hmm.
2: and you know why you know why aren't they talking about you know black men who've done this to them and Part of the problem is that there is the instinct to protect the black community. And so I'm not sure if that perhaps is what Burke was getting to in that we want to protect our black men because we have seen what can happen to them. And so there is this kind of instinct to kind of keep things within our own circle. As opposed to bringing others into our community Mm -hmm. because when we've done that sometimes it hasn't gone well so it's kind of a
3: situation where your allegiances are kind of torn okay if you're just tuning in you're listening to talk with Francesca I'm speaking with Dr. Venetria Patton we are discussing the Me Too and Time's Up movement we do need to take another short break stay with us here we will be right back Your body is not the only part of you that needs training. Your brain needs it too. Decision-making and focus are one of the most important skills to accomplish your goals in life. Combat Brain Training is the first targeted neuroplasticity training that actually improves your cognitive ability to observe, decide, and act better and faster. Unlike digital-based programs that research shows create minimal or no real-world benefits, it incorporates portable handheld training tools that utilize all parts of the brain. 100% of the people who have followed the program report significant improvements in performance regardless of starting cognitive baseline. This program is perfect for anyone looking to accelerate their thinking process and really focus more effectively on any task at hand. Don't wait any longer. Go to CombatBrainTraining.com and find out more.
4: Captain Lord Mansion is the ultimate bed-and-breakfast experience. It's the only AAA four-diamond bed-and-breakfast in Kennebunkport. But it's so much more. It's the perfect, elegant, romantic getaway. Relax at their day spa. Be pampered in your room with heated floors, jetted showers and tubs, gas fireplaces, king and queen beds, flat-screen TVs, and all the quaintness with all the modern conveniences. Be surrounded by impeccable gardens, waterfalls, fountains, a putting green, a charming gift shop, wine cellar, the list goes on and on, including a full three-course breakfast. This is a stay that you will never forget. Engage in our special offers. Call 207-967-3141. 207-967-3141. CaptainLordMansion.com. In Kennebunkport, Maine. Memories and elegance await you.
5: It can be easy to lose sight of your dreams and aspirations, especially when they seem so out of reach. Between school, kids, and work, your true desires can get left on the back burner. But you should never settle for less than what you deserve and what you know in your heart of hearts you want to do. Carrie Hummingbird has developed a program that will cast away your fear and self-doubt and inspire you to take charge of your life. But don't take my word for it. Christina Wolf took the program and described it as a trustworthy guide to show you how to transform yourself at the soul level. You will have to dig deep and it won't be easy, but then again, nothing worth having is. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone and your comfort zone ends at the Reinvent Yourself program. So what are you waiting for? Visit www.carryhummingbird.com. You'll be glad you did.
1: Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting, then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's north end. This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Restaurante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. Coffee
3: no longer has to be a guilty pleasure. You've heard that red wine is good for you because of nature's most potent antioxidant, resveratrol. Vera Roasting Company makes the only coffee infused with it. Each cup of Vera's coffee delivers the same amount of resveratrol as found in a glass of red wine without the alcohol, sulfates, or tannins. Years of medical studies indicate that regular resveratrol in our diets promote cardiovascular health, slows the progression of certain cancers, Alzheimer's disease, and type 2 diabetes. Vera Roasting Coffee won double-blind taste tests against the leading coffee coffees. Vera Roasting also offers its delicious, heart-healthy coffees with added vitamin D to help ward off the winter blues. You can't get Vera Roasting coffee in stores. You need to go to veraroasting.com. Free and fast shipping is always available. veraroasting.com. Vera like Vera Bradley. Go to veraroasting.com. That's veraroasting.com.
4: The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com.
3: All right, we are back, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Venetria Patton. She teaches English and African American Studies at Purdue University, and we're discussing the Me Too and the Time's Up movement that has absolutely captivated not only our country, but it sounds like others as well. So... Dr. Patton, we talked about this misconception that sexual assault or rape only happens to women who are dressed provocatively or put themselves in these dangerous situations. What message does that send to the world?
2: Well, I I think that it it suggests that, you know, this is your fault, that if you would only behave in a certain way, you could prevent this. And that's just not true. You know, it's, it's not something that women have control over. I mean, quite often women are just going about their day, doing what they're supposed to do, often in their work environment, and then they are co- accosted. I think it would be nice if we could control this, if we could somehow
3: do something to make sure it never happens to us. Mm-hmm. But that's just false. We can't. Do you think that there are some women that are more victimized? That, or, or do you think that the, the people who are victimizing the men who are victimizing the women, there are, are certain women that they're going to victimize more than, than others? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk think, about that. So what do you think?
2: I, I, I think that they are more likely to pick people who they think will not talk, who they think are disempowered. Mm. So, you know... You're going to go for vulnerable prey. So you're going to pick someone that isn't going to say anything or should they say something will not be believed. That's how they continue to get away with this time and time again. They're they're not going to pick people who already have a, a strong voice and so if they say something, people will believe them. They're not going to say some, do this to someone who has power over them, of course. It's going to be someone they have power over. So I, I definitely think that men that do this sort of thing definitely are particular about the women they prey
3: upon. Speaking of men that do this sort of thing, is there a typical man that does this sort of thing? Or a woman, for that matter.
2: Yeah. I
3: would say... No, no. I mean, because I mean, well, not I all, mean, er, um, not all. If it, if it's coming from a place of wanting more power, then I would think it would actually be a man who, deep down inside, doesn't feel strong at all, yeah. or empowered.
2: Yeah.
3: No. Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess when I said no it's because you know every time we hear about these cases, there's all one Someone that says, oh, my goodness, I never would have expected that. You know. expected what? Expected them to be accused of this. You know, I never would have thought they would do something like this. So a lot of times these people who do this sort of thing, you know, they seem like everybody else. So that's why I'm hesitant to say, you know, they're a certain kind of person. But I think you're taking it to a different level more kind of an internal subconscious type of emotional something or another that might be guiding them to do this sort of thing. And, and are, that could be
3: possible. And are you, know? you, are you saying that, am I hearing you say that is not accurate or that you don't think that that's the case at all or, or what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not sure. I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, when I think about the men that do this the one common denominator is generally they're people that are in power. Um, They have some sort of power because it's the power that allows them to do this. But of course, every man does not abuse his power. So it's not that alone. So,
3: hmm. Yeah, I guess I need to think through that. Well, just, you know, I mean, if, if someone wants to have power over someone else, whether it be a male or, wanting power over a woman or a woman wanting power over a man and they are choosing, as you said, someone who is more vulnerable, wouldn't it make sense that it's because deep down inside that they really don't feel empowered at all. And it's, it's something that helps them to feel more powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, you know, I think, I think of, you know, what comes to my mind is a, a, a man whose, you know, wife is very, very overpowering and, he doesn't feel, you know, empowered in the relationship and, and then he goes to work and, you know, he has power over this vulnerable thing. And, and hence, you know, this, this occurs Mm -hmm. just, it's just a thought. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying that that's what runs through my mind and, I don't. I don't see a man who truly feels genuinely powerful and in charge of his life as what would be the purpose of it. It's so, and it's also right, it happens right. to be such a degrading thing to do to someone that there's probably some level of, I guess that I am looking at it on the deeper level that maybe they have some anger that you know mm-hmm. towards women.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just my thought. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's the case, but I was just curious whether or not you, you have thought about that and whether there's any merit to my thought mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it sounds... Like a reasonable like a, thought? A credible,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like a credible um, take on, on this. Yeah. Because, I mean, we know that this sort of thing is generally not, about the sex, you know, it's, right. it's about right. power, it's about violence.
3: Right, right. Do you think that the Me Too and Time um, Time's Up movements have been inclusive enough to the LGBTQ community? I don't know. I would
2: say that Me Too initially probably was not really reflective of the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. i know that the the times up movement is trying to be much more inclusive i don't know how successful they they are being so i think that's still kind of left to be decided Mm -hmm. but i do know that when you deal with Trans women and uh, non binary women, they're much more likely to be assaulted. And so, this is an issue that's very important right. um, for them to be addressed. And, you know, sometimes people, if they're not comfortable dealing with sexuality, they don't want to talk about that. They want to act like these women don't exist. And that's
3: really detrimental. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, we just have a few more minutes left, and I just wanted to ask you, Dr. Patton, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to, to share with our listening audience, or anything that, that you think is important that we didn't cover?
2: Well, I think the, the only thing that I would add is that this is not really the first time that we've had this kind of moment around sexual assault. I think back to 1991 and Anita Hill and the Mm. Supreme Court nomination of Clarence Thomas when she accused him of sexual harassment. And so she wasn't successful in preventing his appointment, but she did bring national attention to the issue of sexual harassment. And in the wake of those hearings, the number of sexual harassment cases, I think they doubled. I mean, it was an astronomical um, effect. And Mm. so I, I think that we're having kind of another watershed moment with Me Too. Maybe it's not going to eradicate sexual harassment. We might still be dealing with this down the road, but I do think this is a significant moment where more attention is being paid to it we're getting to a point where we're saying zero tolerance and so i i think this is a significant moment for women and we're going to make significant advances around this issue and it will positively impact our experience in the workplace but i i just want to call attention to the fact that even this moment had a precursor
3: Mm -hmm. that allowed us to get to this point. Well, Dr. Patton, it has been a pleasure speaking with you this morning. And I just want to thank you for being so gracious to answer all these questions of which I I have to give my wonderful intern some credit here because a, a lot of these questions came from her and I think she just did an outstanding job. So I hope you enjoyed the questions. I hope that they were You know, I I hope that you were able to share with our listening audience everything that you wanted to. So, again, thank you for being on Talk with Francesca this morning.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation very much.
3: Okay, take care. Bye. All right. It's time to wrap things up. We've got to say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. So thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the show or you missed part of the show, you can also go to my website, Recent Shows, or you can also listen on iTunes. So see you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week.